Well, good morning again, church. It's so good to see all of you. Love that you're here. Hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving season. I want to welcome those that are here with us online. Thanks for being a part of things as well as those who are here for the first time. Uh, I already met at least one first-time guest here this morning. Just love that you're here, a part of things. Hope you have a great experience. Uh, But before we dive into our message this morning, I just got to give a little update from last week. Uh, If you weren't here last Sunday, last Sunday is kind of the one Sunday a year we have our kingdom offering. Throughout the year, we have what we call kingdom builders. It's our above and beyond giving. There's the people that tithe and they give their normal offerings, but there's people in our church that say, we want to give beyond that. We want to be a part of what God is doing around the world to build his kingdom around the world. And so uh, once a year, at the end of the year, we take a special offering to give everyone an opportunity to engage and to be a part of that. And so we've seen growth over the last several years. Last week, I shared a number of the stories of what has taken place and, and how we've been able to give and the things we've already been able to invest in. And I would just say this, if you missed last week's message, Mikey had a powerful message. I would encourage you to watch the whole thing, but at least watch the first five to seven minutes because I talk about some of the stories of what we've been able to give to you so far this year. But I mentioned this, that over the last three years, we've seen a growth in Kingdom Builders. You know, three years ago, we had $21,000 come in. Uh, 2020, we had 50000 Last year, we had $102,000. And prior to last Sunday, so far in 2022, we had had $113,611 already come in for Kingdom Builders. And we had sent that out the door and and to be able to build ministries around the world. And we challenged the church last Sunday. And since last Sunday morning, we have seen an additional $92,740 come in. Is that not amazing? That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. We set the goal to say, could we give? Could we give $100,000 before the end of the year? Right? And uh, Micah didn't ship. Micah actually travels around. He was the one who spoke last week and kind of prepared us. And uh, he actually travels and speaks on missions quite a bit. And he takes offerings in churches all the time. And when I told him how much I was hoping that we would raise, he just smiled. He's like, great. It wasn't until after last Sunday that he told me, I thought you were nuts, Greg. <laughs> Literally, that's twice what we've ever seen how it come, in, in bigger churches than this. And so I want to say thank you. Because when we are generous, we look like our God. We look like our Savior who is generous. That's who he is. And that's who we want to be. Not because we want to say, look how generous we are. No, we want to reflect our Savior who is generous and always toward us. And so thank you so much. And I'd say if there's some of you, maybe you weren't here last week. You didn't have a chance. Help us get over that $100,000, all right? Before the end of the year, if God puts something on your heart, help us get there. Because trust me, there are more. You know, we could, we could have another $100,000. And I got, I got the request because our missionaries desperately need the resources. They're on the front lines doing everything we can in our call to say, how can we be faithful with God, what you've put in our hands? Amen? Awesome. Well, this morning, we get to wrap up uh, the series that we have been in this entire fall, Kingdom Living, as we have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Just know if you're, if you're a first-time guest, you're, you're getting the caboose here this morning. Uh, but for those of you who've been around, we've been walking through this for 10 weeks, walking through Jesus' most deep teaching about what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God. And, and if you ha- weren't here for the first couple weeks and you see this dandelion, you're like, Greg, I don't get the dandelion. Why, why do we have a picture of a dandelion? It's because I said at the very beginning that Jesus came desiring to, to start a dandelion kingdom. Not a kingdom like we would normally think. See, the kingdoms of the world, they got a castle, they got boundaries, they got borders, right? And they look to defend their territory. But Jesus came trying to start a dandelion kingdom, meaning this. Dandelions pop up all over the place, right? 
There's no border. There's no boundaries wherever. They'll spread anywhere and everywhere. And, and Jesus desires that his kingdom values, his reign and his rule would be spread through people like you and like me wherever we go. When we go to school, when we go to the office, when we're in our home, wherever we are, we bring the rule and the reign of Christ. We bring the values and the ethics and the priorities of the kingdom of God. That was his desire, that we would be his kingdom. We would reflect it in the world. And so throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he describes what that looks like. And so he talks about values and ethics and the mission and righteousness and spirituality. He talked about possessions and money and purpose. But when we get to the end of the passage, it's been three chapters long. When we get to the end of this thing, Jesus is going to tie a bow on the whole message. And he's going to give us a very simple story, right? It's a story, maybe you've heard the story before, but it is possibly the most important warning we could ever have. If we miss what Jesus is saying here, we could miss the most important thing this side of eternity, all right? So if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse number 24. Turn there with me. And uh, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan going through the New Testament, almost done uh, for the year. And so if you are, kind of stick on with that. If, you, if you've missed out, jump to our website, zchurch.org. It's on our homepage or our app. You can jump into the reading plan. But would you stand with me? So we're going to read our text this morning. Nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do to honor God's word. Say, God, we care more about what you have to say than what I have to say. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this. Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, this story, it's really easy. There's even a little song about it, God. I, I pray that it wouldn't just be a cute little Bible story, but I pray that you would meddle with our hearts a bit today, God. Help us to see ourselves in this story, God, and I pray that you would... Bring your conviction and help us to respond accordingly, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. How many of you know that men and women can struggle to understand each other at times? <laughs> it just happens sometimes. I, I find it funny because sometimes women are like, man, I don't get you, men. I'm like, we're a lot simpler than you think we are. <laughs> I saw this quote a few years ago, and, and I think it, it makes sense. Women spend more time thinking about what men are thinking than men actually spend thinking. <laughs> like, 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 we're not as complex as you think we are. <laughs> Whatever the lowest thing is, that's probably where we're at. Okay, that's fine. But how many men know that women are sometimes difficult to understand? Can any men relate to that one? And the problem is that a lot of times women will say one thing and then they mean something totally different than what they're actually saying. Like you, women say this, they'll say, I'm fine. How I many know that means they're not fine? <laughs> Okay, and I said this one a few weeks ago. The question they'll ask, are you going to wear that? How many of you know that's a statement, not a question, right? Do not wear that. And the last one is this, I'm almost ready. <laughs> Very rarely are they almost ready. They're just telling you that to give you hope, okay? They're just trying to give you a little hope, all right? Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm getting 
<laughs> Micah. Micah's getting in trouble on the front row right now. That's fine. That's fine. All right. But there's, a, like, there's two levels sometimes to what, what gets said. And I think this happens in life. There's plenty of times where like, there's what's being said. And then sometimes there's an even deeper meaning than that. And when we look at the story that Jesus tells here, there's actually two levels to this story. And we're going to look at both of them here this morning as, as he tries to kind of reveal something to us. But we got to dig back into the context. Remember, context matters. We always got to look at the context of what we're talking about. And so uh, the context is kingdom of God. He's talking about what does the kingdom of God look like. And I'm not going to go through the whole Sermon on the Mount, but chapter 7, uh, which we kind of had to rush through a little bit. Chapter 7, Jesus talks about a few things. First, he talks about judging others. And Micah had a powerful message on that text back in the, in the spring. And so if you want to go back and look at that. Uh, then you get to verse number 12, and it's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus gives this powerful challenge for us. And then he gives a picture of the narrow gate and the wide gate. He's like, you want to follow the wide gate? Like, go for it. Do it. That's what everybody takes. Everybody takes the wide gate. It's the easy one. It's the default. It just leads to destruction. Okay? But if you want, if you want life... It's going to require a narrow gate. It's going to require some other steps. It just doesn't happen on accident, all right? And then we get to this story in this passage that Jesus is talking about here. And the story is about two different builders. Now, how many of you would consider yourself to be handy? Raise your hand. You consider yourself to be handy. And I mean, good. I don't feel out of place because I'm not all that handy. Let's just be honest. Okay, my, my view of construction is like assembling Ikea furniture. Anybody relate to that? Like, look at I build a thing. No, you didn't. A couple of years ago, I, I, um, we moved into a new house in our garage. Uh, it didn't have anything to store. It was a bigger garage, but didn't have any storage or anything. And the floor has a drain in it, so it wasn't level, so I couldn't just set things down. So I had to actually build some shelves. And for the first time in my life, I had to build something. Like, I went to Home Depot. I bought two-by-fours and plywood, and I just had to build a thing with no plans. And at the end, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this was awesome. But I... Even my immature, like amateur attempts at construction, I knew one thing. What mattered more than anything were your foundation and what are you anchored to. That matters more than anything else. And, and Jesus is going to kind of get to that as we, we talk about this story. And so if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write a couple things down this morning. But as I said, there's two levels to this story that we're going to look at. And the first level is this. Level one is don't be a fool. <laughs> Pretty simple, Right? Like, don't be a fool. There's an immediate comparison between a wise builder and a foolish builder. Now, we all know fools in our lives, right? You can think back to, like, junior high, high school, college. You remember that person? Maybe you live with someone. I don't know. That person who's just, like, they do really foolish things, right? If you ever want to be entertained, I would encourage you to uh, just go on Google and just Google men doing stupid things, okay? It's very entertaining. You pull up some pictures here. We got some pictures. Here's these guys. This is a ladder over the staircase, like... Okay, next one, next one. This is a guy. He's holding his ankles down a sewage thing. Okay, here's another picture. We got this one. That's a two by four holding the car up. That's dumb. And I don't know if the next one's real or not, but it's just funny. This guy's, wee, wee. Right, yeah, don't do that, okay? Like we all know people like that. We know people that do foolish things. They, they, they don't think. And some fools are foolish because they just don't plan. There's no thought. There's no planning whatsoever. My son had a favorite joke when he was younger. Remember the funny joke? It goes like this. How does a bird learn to fly? He just wings it. <laughs> get it? You get it? Thank you. Okay. It's, it's, it, he was four when he liked that joke. Give him a break. Okay. But, but some people live that way. Like they're just winging everything. There's no plan. There's no thought. There's no nothing. No intentionality at all. Proverbs 14 says this. 
says, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. A fool is reckless and careless. And some of us are that way. There's no thought and we get ourselves into trouble because right now some of you are experiencing storms in life. The pressure of life has come and it's obvious that you weren't ready. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's in your marriage. It's in your health. It's with your kids. It's at school. Wherever you are, you fill in the blank for your life, but you've come to a point and you realize, oh no, I'm not ready for this. I haven't prepared. I haven't had any intentionality in this area of my life. A lack of intentionality oftentimes will bring destruction. I've had those seasons in my life where I look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have been more ready for this. I wish I'd have thought, but I wish I would have planned in this area of my life. Maybe you can relate to that at times. You look back with a little bit of regret. I could have done that differently if I'd have been a little more intentional. So some people just don't have a plan, but some people, uh, the issue isn't that they don't have a plan. They just plan poorly. They have a plan, but they're building on the wrong things. When you think about sand, and we got a builder who's building on sand. I don't know what you think about, but I think about pictures like this. Right? Is that what you think about? When I think about sand, I'm like, I want to go there. That's where I would like to be, okay? But this is not the kind of sand that Jesus is telling a story about. You can take that picture off because we're all going to stop listening to me. Okay, there we go. (laughs) The sand that Jesus would have been referring to is called alluvial sands. They had that in that area. What is that sand like? It's not this kind of like white sand. It was more uh, a little bit larger, more larger granules. But what would happen is during the summer when it would get dry and would get really hot and the sun's beaten down, that sand would actually crust and get very hard. And it would feel like it was a hard substance. It would feel firm. It would seem that way. And I think a lot of us, that's what we do. We build our lives in areas that seem firm. It seems right. This is what everyone else is doing. It makes sense. I'm going to do it that way. But what you have to understand is these alluvial sands reacted differently during the winter because in the winter what happens in that area they get rain and when the rain comes it would actually soften up that sand that felt hard it felt like a perfect place to build your life but the rain comes and whatever's built on it tumbles and falls and see this is what happens in our lives we have so many times where where we're thinking that we're building on something firm but in reality it's leading us to destruction proverbs says it this way in proverbs 12 it says the way of the fool seems right to them but the wise listen to advice the way of the fool seems right to them it seems right to them or it seems right to everybody else because if you follow the way of the world students you follow everybody else what is everybody else doing in school you follow everybody else what's everybody else in my neighborhood what's the rest of my family doing what is culture doing what is my workplace how are we behave if you follow those things it will seem right because everyone's doing it it's called the wide path and jesus said that leads to destruction and if we build our lives on that it's very very unstable ground jesus challenges this Would you build on my words? The wise man builds on my words. The wise builder is intentional, doesn't follow what everyone else does. He had a plan, and his plan was to do the hard work of planting firmly on the hard ground, right? On firm bedrock. That's the goal. See, these alluvial sands, a lot of times they'd be seven or nine to ten feet deep. But If you would dig down 9 to 10 feet, you know what you hit? Bedrock. 
You see, the, the wise builder goes down there and builds on the rock. That's what the wise, wise builder doesn't follow what seems, what, what appears to be okay. No, instead builds on what they know is firm because he knew the stir, storms would come. I say this a lot of times that you are either right now you're in a storm, you just came out of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. That's called life. <laughs> like we wish that like, oh no, I'm, Jesus, just give me that, that season where nothing goes wrong. That's great. God bless you when you get those seasons. Just live up that moment. Enjoy that season. Because it ain't going to last forever. It just doesn't. Life doesn't work that way. Life is hard. It ebbs and flows. It goes like this. Right? And we have to be prepared that we're building on rock. So when the rain comes, when the storms come, and it will, you're able to stand firm. Okay? That's what he's calling. So Jesus says, don't be a fool. Don't be, be intentional about where you're building. In your family, where are you building? What are you investing in? In your personal life, what are you building on? What are you investing in? What's getting your attention? What's getting the focus? Is it the things that matter? Is it the things that endure and last? Or is it the things that are ultimately doomed for destruction? It's a challenge for us, all right? So that's level one. Don't be a fool. But we have level two. We get a little deeper, and it's this. Don't fool yourself. Don't be a fool and don't fool yourself. Remember, I always say context matters, right? What's the very first word that we read in verse 24? Therefore. And we always have to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore. Good job, everyone. This text is connected to the previous text. And if you don't read the previous text, you don't know what Jesus is really trying to say here. And so we look before this in verse number 21, and it says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Don't fool yourself. See, it's possible to fool yourself into thinking you are a follower of Jesus when you aren't. It's possible to have proximity to Jesus, but not have relationship with Jesus. Because think about who is Jesus talking to. Speaking to a crowd. He's got this big crowd that he's trying to teach about the kingdom of God. And he knows inside of that crowd he's got a a few different groups. He's got a group of people that are going to be like, yes, Jesus, we are with you. We're giving our life for you. We'll do whatever you say. There are those people in the crowd, 100%. He also knows there's people in the crowd that just think this is fun. Like, cool. This is where everybody's at. Let's go to the show. Let's go watch Jesus do some story time. This is going to be fun. There's other people that are just there for a meal. They're like, they're hungry. Jesus, do that miracle thing. I need a meal right now. They're not there for the real reasons. And and Jesus is trying to say, that's great. I'm glad you're here. He doesn't kick anybody out. He's not saying, oh, you can't be here. No, no, you're allowed to be here. Just know this, that proximity to spiritual things does not in and of itself guarantee a depth of spiritual life. Okay? And we could walk into this church and it means nothing. Right? You know this. Just because I walk on a basketball court does not make me a basketball player. I could walk into a big and tall store. (laughs) 
okay? <laughs> Makes me neither big nor tall, okay? Right? <laughs> and in the same way, just listening to what Jesus says, just listening does not in and of itself make you a follower, okay? Don't fool yourself. True followers of Jesus have to actually act on what he taught. He said it right there. You have to do something. And not everything that Jesus teaches us is fun. Not everything that he calls us to is easy, right? It's not always normal. What does he call us to? He says, love your enemies and pray for them. Ugh. Right? He says, forgive other people who have hurt you. He's, he calls us to a life of humility, a life of laying our lives down for others and serving them. Like, well, what about me? Serve me. No, no, no. You go serve somebody else. That's what he calls us to. He calls us to live for eternity, not to, not to value just the things that are temporal. He calls us to care for those in need, right? Those who are poor and in need that you would give, sacrificially give of yourself for the sake of someone else. He's calling us to this stuff. And let's be honest, when Jesus raised the bar, there was a lot of times where people chose to walk away. They had been in the crowd, they're listening, they're there's a point where Jesus starts getting into this hard teaching, and it says at that point, a bunch of people just started leaving and say, you know what, I'm out. And I think it's clear for us, we have a decision to make. Proximity to spiritual things does not guarantee faith in Christ. We have to actually respond to him. That's what he's calling. And this is a warning, don't fool yourself. I love the way it says it this way in Luke chapter 6. Uh, there's a similar passage, and I love the message translation because sometimes it just kind of makes it a real matter-of-fact kind of way. Here's what it says. This is Jesus' words. Why are you so polite to me, always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir. Sounds like somebody while I'm preaching, right? Yes, yes, sir, that's right. Amen. Preach it, brother. That's so good. But never do a thing I tell you. <laughs> These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words. Words to build a life on. Jesus is inviting us to build our lives on him, on what he has said. And this is critical, and, and I want you to catch this. The last thing that in this text that you need to understand is that in Scripture, storms most often represent judgment. Storms represent judgment. And here's the reality that we don't like to talk about. You know, it's not really politically correct to talk about, but one day we will all stand before the throne and we will stand before the king of kings. There is a day of judgment coming. And in that moment, when the storm of that judgment comes, what we have built our life on will be revealed. For some of us, that's gonna be a good day because I'm not standing up there like with all my good deeds and look how great I am. I'm not standing that way. I'm standing up and saying, my foundation is Christ. That's my hope. That's what the gospel says. That I'm not coming to you with my goodness. It's the righteousness of Christ that is on me. And I stand before you not with my goodness, but his goodness. That's where my life is. And I can experience eternity with God because of what he has done. Because I have firmly planted my life on him. Did I do it perfectly? No. But I'm going to continue to pursue with my foundation as Christ. And I know so many of you are living your life that way. But here's the deal. If you have been building it on the sand, the storm of judgment will reveal it. And in that moment, you're left on your own. And what he is challenging us with is... Don't fool yourself. 
Where are you building your life? Are you planting yourself in me or are you planting yourself somewhere else? See, we can say we have faith in Jesus, right? But faith requires an action. It requires us to engage in something. It's not hearing. It's not just agreeing. Faith is trusting enough to act. Just imagine I told you, I trust Amber. I trust her. I trust her. I don't give her a credit card. <laughs> I don't let her touch my, my keys, right? She's not driving my car, right? You'd be like, you don't trust her. You can say whatever you want to. You don't trust her, okay? You can say you trust Jesus. Does anything in your life prove that? Is there evidence that you trust Jesus? Is there evidence that I trust Jesus? See, there has to be an action associated with those words. Otherwise, James has something to say about it. It says it this way in James chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Such, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Goes on and says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What is this saying? The exact same thing Jesus is saying. Right? So I want to get to our big so what. We always say, so what, what's the point of this thing? Uh, fell asleep, you got distracted this morning. The big so what this morning is this. Faith does. Faith doesn't just think. Faith doesn't just believe. Faith does. What does he say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I give you this definition all the time because I think I want to ingrain it into your minds and it's this, that faith is belief lived out. Faith is belief lived out. It isn't just I think a thing in my brain. No, it is I think a thing and I am so confident in that thing that I actually take action. There is evidence. There is proof of that thought, that belief in my mind and that belief in my heart. It isn't just listening to Jesus because some of you are real good church people and and I love it because it'd be really boring to preach up here by myself okay I love that okay but in and of itself being a church person does not mean you're a follower of Christ there's going to be some some very surprised church people on the on the day of judgment when they say Lord Lord I showed up to church all the time Lord, Lord, I put some money in the offering every once in a while. He says, yeah. And nothing else in your life was evidence that you actually were submitted to me. You didn't trust me. You didn't serve me. You didn't pursue me. You did a couple religious things, so everybody else thought you were a Christian, but you weren't actually following me. And it's a challenge. This is a warning. And so I, I come to the end of a series like this. And, and I, I think there's a reason why Jesus closed here. Because everything else we've talked about, I think they're all good things. Like being a person who lives mercifully, I think that's a good thing. There's a lot of the stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, like don't do your righteousness in front of other people. That's annoying. People get annoyed by that. Don't do that. Like those are just good tips in life. Like living your life that way would be a good thing. Okay, but at the end of this thing, Jesus says, listen, you need to know what's most important. 
It's not just that you have some good tips for a healthy life. It's that you know where you're planted and where your hope is, where your foundation is. And if you really want to live that way, you have to understand there has to be action associated with it. So I, I want to ask a couple questions as we close here this morning. And the first question is this, is what has Jesus been saying to you? Now, for some of you, you've been here every week of this series, and so maybe God's been challenging you. The Holy Spirit's been convicting you in your heart in different areas. Some of the different topics we've talked about, that's great. But it's possible that maybe you haven't been here in this series at all, but you, there's something that that maybe you've been feeling a challenge in your life. There's something in your life that you've been allowing that you're like, oh, I'm feeling a little conviction in that, in that area, but you haven't really turned away. Maybe you've been feeling God calling you to do something, to lean into something, and you've just kind of been like staying back on that thing. What has he been speaking to you? You know, in the series, we talked about areas of ethics and character, of righteousness, spiritual practices. We talked about our money and our possessions. It's possible some of you are, maybe you're, you know, young student, maybe you're an adult, you're in a relationship right now, and you're like, this is wrong, this is wrong. But you just keep staying there. You've been feeling the conviction, but you've done nothing about it. Maybe there's some other area of your life where you're like, oh, I'm heading the wrong direction. I know it, I'm feeling a conviction, but I haven't done anything about it. Maybe you've been feeling a call. God's been stirring a passion in your heart to do something, to try out, to step out in faith in an area, but you've just been sitting there because you're like, "Uh, I don't know if I want to do that. What is that thing that God has been speaking to your heart? All right, based on that, now what do you need to do? Because sitting there and thinking about it and talking about it is not what Jesus is asking. He's asking for us to do something about it. The Holy Spirit is convicting your heart. What do you need? There may be a step you need to take. There may be something you need to cut out of your life. There may be something you need to begin. There may be something you need to reprioritize. There may be a change that needs to happen. If you're going to truly say, God, I don't just talk about trusting in you. I don't just talk about following you. Jesus, I truly follow you. I build my life on you. And come hell or high waters, my foundation is on Christ and what he has spoken over my life. All right. In a moment, I'm going to give us all an opportunity to respond. And I just pray over the next minute or two that you would just give space, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. What is he been speaking to your hearts? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to my hearts? But I want to talk to just a, a few of you right now because I would guess that there are some people in the room here this morning that uh, you hear me talk about that day, that day that is coming, that day we will stand before the king of all the universe. And on that day, our foundation will be exposed. If our foundation is Christ, we can have a confidence and a hope. But if our foundation is in anything else, it is not going to be a good day. And I want to give you an opportunity because it's possible you're here and you're like, Greg, I've been around the spiritual things, but I've, I've not really submitted my life to Christ. I've been in proximity to Jesus, but I've never surrendered to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to make the greatest decision you can ever make in your life today. I'm going to invite everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes across the room. If you're here this morning and, uh, and that's you, you would say, you know what, I, 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 I've not built my life on Christ. I've been around spiritual stuff, but I have not built my life on Christ. I have not submitted my life to Jesus. I might say Lord, but I've never in any way submitted my life and made him the Lord of my life. If you're here this morning and you want to make the 
the best decision you could ever make, the most important decision you can ever make this side of eternity, I want to give you an opportunity right now just to lift a hand across the room and say, that's me, God. I want to respond to Jesus. I want to submit my life to Jesus right now. I want to surrender myself to him. I want to build my life on Christ. Across the room, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just lift a hand across the room and say, that's me. I want to respond to Jesus today. Yeah. Anyone else? I'm going to give a moment. I don't want to rush. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in hearts right now. If you're online, I encourage you to respond as well. You can put your hands down. and If that's you, I just want you to have a moment in your own heart. I want you to pray in your own heart as I pray out loud. Pray something like this. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for pursuing me. Thank you so much for inviting me into a whole new life. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I need a savior. And I I confess my belief in Jesus. I believe that he died and he rose again. And I, I give him my life. I surrender my life to Jesus. I ask that you would wash my sin away, make me brand new, make me clean, and help me to live for you in all of my life. God, I build my life on you. May Christ be my foundation in every area of my life. And help me on this journey of faith, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite everyone else. Would you stand with me across the room? If you made a response to Christ just there at the end of the service, I'm gonna have something for you. And so stick with me here in a moment. But for everybody else, I'm gonna give us an opportunity just to to sing. Steph's gonna lead us in a song for a moment. But I want us to take a moment to respond to God. And this is an invitation to a surrendered life. Follow, being a follower means surrendered, that's all. You wanna follow Christ, it means you surrender. And so what has he been speaking in your hearts? As we sing, maybe you wanna sing along, that's great, but maybe you just wanna have a moment of prayer on your own. Would you just have that moment with God to say, God, I, I give this thing. Whatever that thing he's speaking to you, if you're, if you're prepared to lay it down, I encourage you to have that moment. Say, God, help me to take action in that area of my life. Can we respond to him together? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I
you ready to surrender and lay? Whatever it is that he's speaking to your heart, you're ready to lay it down. I just encourage you, put your hands out like this. I just want to pray over us today. God, we want to be a surrendered place today, God. So God, we come to you today. Father, we don't want to be those who have fooled ourselves into believing there's a level of spirituality that is not actually there. And so God, we come surrendering again. We come on bended knee. We come submitting ourselves to you, Lord. Saying, God, we want to live out the life you are calling us to. God, our righteousness does not save us, but God, it is mere evidence of our surrender to you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to live with more evidence than we did last week. God, I pray this week would look different than it did last week for your glory. Help us this week. Whatever that thing is, whatever you've spoken to our hearts, Lord, I pray that this week would not be a thing where we think about it anymore or we talk about it anymore. May we do something about it this week, Lord. May we do something different this week, Lord, we pray. We pray that, ask that. In the name of Jesus, everybody said. I want to give you a couple things before we go out the door here this morning. Some challenges, okay? And so, first challenge is this. Do. (laughs) Whatever the thing is, God spoke to your heart. So do something. Remember, it's not, don't, stop thinking about it. Stop talking about it. Let's do something. For some of you, it's just going to be a simple change. For others of you, it may be the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life. But let's do the thing that God is calling us to do, Okay? That's the practical thing. Now, the second one has to do with what's happening next week. That's invite, all right? Christmas is the best time to invite somebody. And you have people in your life who are hopeless right now. They are. They're hopeless. And you know what happens? If you take a simple step of inviting, most people will say, sure, just because they feel bad for no other reason. Okay? I don't care why they walk in the doors. I just care that they get to hear the hope of Christ and have an opportunity to respond. And so my challenge is that you got the card, right? You got the card when you walked in the door, sitting on your chair. Grab a, grab a card. We got plenty of those cards. Go grab more cards if you want to, okay? You can hand those out this week. Invite somebody to join you next Sunday. It's going to be an amazing message is we're going to hear messages of hope every single week. Now, there's another practical thing I'm going to get your help with on something. If you've got... A smartphone and you're on Instagram or Facebook, we just posted a video on both Instagram and Facebook, invitational to Christmas. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Take out your smartphone, okay, while you're standing here. And if you can, go to either Facebook or Instagram, look to those, and like and share the videos, okay? Again, why are we doing that? Because there's somebody in your world that might walk in the door next week. And we want to just do what we can, okay? It's a 30-second invite. It just says, hey, here's what's going on. We'd love to have you join us, okay? Take a moment and do that. If you can't do it right now, before the day's over, would you do that, all right? Uh, We'd love to just be able to share those things, okay? I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. Uh, If you need prayer for anything, please come receive prayer. Uh, But the last thing, last thing for everyone is uh, put the QR code up on the screen. There are a few of you that made decisions to follow Christ, even if you didn't raise your hand. Would you scan this QR code and just let us know? We want to come alongside you in the journey of faith and help you in that journey, all right? And so scan that, respond. We'd love that. Prayer team's up here if you need prayer for anything. Otherwise, have a great week, guys. We love you. We'll see you next week as we kick off Christmas at Zoe.